if you want to put a demo blog app up, just go steal WordPress and put it up in your repo and say, hey, I wrote this. Yeah. I'm sure you get fork lots of kudos it, for that. Fork it, minify it, and publish it. They'll never yeah. know. <laughs> you are listening to PHP Ugly, episode 77, recorded Thursday, September 21st, 2017. On this episode, we talk about Wave PHP, upgrading code, HTTPS, and much more. Let's get started. Apparently, during World War II in Sweden, at the border with Norway, the number 77 was used as a password because apparently it's a very tricky word to pronounce in Swedish. So when somebody said the number 77, they could quickly figure out if somebody was either Swedish, Norwegian, or German. Do you believe? Kind of cool, right? Pretty cool. Episode 77, PHP Ugly. That's all I got for you guys. That's kind of weak. Well, last, last week was like a 12-minute intro into the show. This one is like I, I was seconds. I was bound and determined not to use a year again. I wouldn't even look at, at years. I think I'd done three years in a row. I'm like, I'm not doing years. I'm not doing years. I need to come up with something else. So that's what I came up with. And I... And, I, I fell back to my other crutch, which was uh, Wikipedia. I just got something off Wikipedia. That yeah, works. That's all I have. I Gentlemen, some Thomas, John, how are you? How are you guys doing? Yeah, when's the last time you came up with the uh, with the intro? The week you were gone. We're not the allowed. We're gone. Oh yeah, that's true. That was like a month ago. <laughs> the one time you missed, I, I, somebody had to. This is very true. All right, I'll give you that one. <clears throat> so we uh, we did to it. Just saying, we did a Larry Ch- <laughs> Larry chat. It's just a bunch of Larrys. Sixty-nine is probably the best one for me to miss. To <laughs> uh, so we did Larry chat live again today. I and, saw that. Uh, Finally, very nice, very nice. So that was that was good. I. Lair Chat Live, the Lair Chat Live podcast is a tough one for me because uh, they record at five o'clock in the afternoon, which is like right at the end of work, and it's like your day's winding down, and you, you kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel that the day is coming to an end. And then you know you got to do that podcast. It's like, oh, I don't know if I have it in me, but then I get in there and start talking to every everyone, and I'm like, God, this is I, I so enjoy these conversations. Unlike this one, where I have to drink heavily to participate in it. <laughs> now, here's the real question: Did you get a chance to promote Wave PHP? They asked. They asked me about it, and we talked about it for a good, probably five minutes. It was. Uh, nice. It was a good. Holy crap! The office manager just comes bursting into my office like SWAT here. Lay down. What are you doing? I gotta get the office manager under control. Hold on one second. <clears throat> right now. All right. I don't know what that was about. All right. Yeah, so, so yeah. that monster in there. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So lots of talking about uh, wave, and uh, you know, I'm starting to get it's it's fun to talk to people about wave because I'm starting to get that sense that certain people are getting excited about the conference or the, or the idea of the conference and 
uh, are starting to anticipate it. So that, that that's good to hear. I'm, I'm yeah. very happy to hear that. That, but yeah. that brings me to my, my first annoyance of the week. We're trying to get wavephp.com email set up so we can start, you know, getting an email list going and all that good stuff. And somebody has it assigned to their Google account. I don't, we don't know if it's one of our, our accounts, which we, we've looked at them all. We can't find it. So we've tried adding it and you can't prove you own it just by a DNS change or a website change at least automatically. You have to contact their customer support. I do that this weekend and get a call from them, which I think, great, you know, they're, they're on top of it. I do the website change, they know I own it, and he says, all right, 72 hours, it's yours. You know, we'll contact the, whoever has it currently assigned to their account, and uh, if they don't release it, we'll do it manually. And here it is almost a week later and it's still not done. On top of that, they email me today saying, Hey, we haven't heard from you in three days. Uh, if we don't hear from you soon, we're just going to close the ticket. It's like, what? I'm waiting on you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, annoying. I know. It's, uh, and, and the whole, all we're trying to do is, is get email set up. I mean, we have control over the DNS. We, ha- we own the domain. So we control all that. We're just trying to leverage uh, Google for email. And we can't get the... Uh, domain configured within Google because they see it as already assigned to another account. And I think I need that all set up before I can start setting up their mailing lists and all that good stuff. So there's, it's like, this is a key piece that we need to to keep moving forward, even though we're not, we have a year left. But we got to get this, we got to get those sponsor letters out. That's what I'm stressing about. We worked on sponsor packages. We, we got pretty comfortable with uh, the the tiers we came up with, and want to start getting that out there. Um, hope hoping to get some some commitments uh, would be nice. Yeah. I mean, Which worst case scenario, we'll just worst case yeah. scenario, we'll just go with another email provider. But uh, it would just be very convenient to be able to use Google and one of our existing accounts. Yeah, and which brings me back to another point of. I want to say I'm sorry, Madison PHP. You know, we we were trying to find a good 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 time frame for the conference that would fit, you know, with all the other conferences out there. And we had a, a time frame set up that we thought was perfect. Um, that fell through. The hotel we really wanted came back to us with uh, another date range, the September 19th through the 21st that we have in 2018. And they said, that's the last option. That's all we have. And we took it and didn't go back and, and look at our list of other conferences and didn't realize we we're so close to Madison PHP. Did not mean to step on toes at all. So I feel so bad about that. Yeah, we, we made it a conscious effort to kind of space our conference out when we when we did our initial round of kind of getting these hotels and pitching the dates. And I'm sure Madison PHP understands as well. It's like once you get in there and you start uh, going through the agreements and you know nailing down these dates, uh, things change a little bit, and that's what happened to us. Our our dates got shifted a couple times, uh, and what we ended up settling on when we settled on it, it never occurred to us to go back to our the, our spreadsheet that we had been keeping just to see where we fell kind of in the conference season of everybody else. And yeah, like John said, it, it does bump up against Madison a little bit more than we want. And, uh, but again, I'm sure, I'm sure they're understanding and 
Yeah. Well, and they don't they don't have their schedule for 2018 up yet. I mean, do you know that they have commitments for the 2018 event? No, not not yet. I mean, they, they probably want to be starting until uh, after so the conference. So screw them. <laughs> Who are these chumps, anyways? They're friends of the show. I really like. <laughs> I really like Beth Tucker Long. I know she's one of the the organizers of it, and um, so I we definitely didn't mean to do that, and kind of sucks. Yeah, but it's weird though how earlier before we started recording, you were talking about how hilarious it was that we had done that, and that it was almost like you'd done it intentionally. <laughs> I didn't. I guess what? I didn't understand what you were talking about until just now. <laughs> so, so in so, case our listeners don't know, I'm not directly affiliated with Wave PHP at all. But uh, or or, it, or with it did any it of did, us. Yeah, <laughs> but or it did PHP, make me panic the other day. The Why other is day that? I was watching a TV show and I started thinking about what what goes into getting a set ready for a TV show and organizing. Like when the podium is out and when the lights go up and when the music comes on and then I just started like breathing heavily and going, Oh god, oh god. Oh. Wait, were you watching and the then, Emmys? No, no. Uh the lowest rated Emmys ever sad. What a disappointment. I don't No, I didn't see that. I just it I got a little a little flustered when I realized the work that you guys are gonna have to do and uh then realized I'm not gonna have to do any of it and relaxed a little. <laughs> Thanks, we appreciate that. Someone That's has to relax away. for you guys. You guys aren't going to be able moved to away, so you have to help us with it, right? Yeah. What a guy. So yeah, we're we're still in this weird, awkward. I mean, we're we're doing a couple things. Like I said, we're we're getting the sponsor packages out, uh, making a few tweaks to the website here and there. But we're we we're still kind of in this dead period of not really anticipating a lot happening until the beginning of next year. Um, but you know it's yeah it should be fun my my question is i was thinking about it today so what what they what day today is the 20 so we're recording on the 21st of september that made the 19th on wednesday on tuesday tuesday so from last tuesday wave php conference is a year away so this today we actually would be wrapping up. Today would have been the last day of Wave PHP. So a year from today, John and I will be sitting at a bar, probably drinking heavily, crying openly, being happy that <laughs> that you know, really contemplating what we have gotten into. Sweatpants but and a tank top. My question is: we we have done all this like uh, planning so far ahead, and I realize that technically we should be planning. Wave PHP 2019 now, if we want to like give ourselves the same runway we did for 2018. Yeah, that's true. I'm just, you should start freaking out early. I'm just thinking, it's like, so what? we're going to get through this Wait, conference. Why, why, why are you saying that? I mean, we're still planning 2018. Why do we have to start planning 2019 now? Because when, really, when do we start? It's, it's really think about when, when we started. Think about when we started planning 2018. We started maybe, I mean, when we really started, when we started engaging with the hotels and stuff, it was probably, what, four or five months ago? No, not even. I mean, it was a few months ago. It was right, it was right around uh, Laricon. Well, so, by Laricon, we had toured the hotels and settled on a hotel. That, we did that when we got back from Laricon. Okay. My point being... That that is a year in X months out from the conference, so we are 
a year x months out from uh i forgot the math now all right calm down let's get through 2018 <laughs> let's make sure this is my sense. point this is what I'm stressing about: is do we get through 2018 and then have to jump right back into it? No, because Here's what we, I think we've already got a lot of the groundwork laid. It's just a matter of at that point deciding if we're going to do it again, and then you start down that path, doing signing contracts and all that. Here's something I'm excited about: I'm going to be there. No, no, no question. I'm going to be at Wave PHP. You guys are going to be there. We're going to have to do a podcast during the conference period. Okay. But but see, it'll be the two Not of necessarily. you. Yeah, it'll be the two of you in the midst of the chaos of running the event. And Which means we don't have to do it. <laughs> me totally relaxed interviewing you guys. Asking Sounds like you you're how it it's going. <laughs> asking you what's been the hardest thing so far. Just just poking both of you as much as I can. What I'm a very guy. excited. Very excited. Sounds like it. Uh, so did you book your hotel yet then? No. You can do that, by the way. Now, go to Wayne. Get your blind book early hotel, bird right? special. It's the cheapest you're going to pay for a ticket, Thomas. Uh, I'm, I'm making my boss pay full price. Oh, I like how you think. Okay. I, I, I was actually giving you a hard time, but I like where you're going with that. Yeah. No, I've, <laughs> I've, t- I've, told, I've told him that as the senior PHP developer, I'm making attendance mandatory for everyone in the office. And tickets don't go on sale until June next year. There you go. Full price. <laughs> a, a funny side note to Wave PHP. We, we you know, he, he, kind of hesitantly created a Wave PHP front page. Or front page. Holy smokes. Facebook page. Just kind of made sense. So I went ahead and did it. And uh, I was trying to customize the URL so that it re- read Wave PHP. And Facebook, no matter what variation of the name I gave it, whenever I added the letters PHP, would not accept it. Said that it contained a word not permitted in uh, Facebook uh, URLs or, or names. Makes and, sense. And it was, it was, it does. Yeah, Facebook runs on PHP. Could you imagine if someone was able to get an arbitrary file? to execute or or found some way of exploiting a path traversal. But, but in a URL to have your event name yeah. wave PHP, I think you could test for that. I, I even you tried could wave, or you could ban it. I, I even tried wave we... PHP conference where PHP was in the middle of the word. It was all one word. It said wave PHP conference and it wouldn't it wouldn't allow that either. I wonder if that's if that's because there's an event called wave PHP set up. Well, that wasn't the error message I was getting. The error message I was getting was saying it, it contained a word not permitted. So it was weird. So anyways, the Facebook URL is Wave Conference. <laughs> I think that's what I settled on was Wave Conference. Said, no matter what I did, I couldn't get PHP in there. So, so I see a Wave PHP Conference. Uh, it's another event. So there's a Wave PHP event, a Wave Conference Wave PHP conference event and Wave conference. We have an issue there. We got to fix that. <laughs> Wait a minute. You see all that on Facebook? Yeah, just search Wave PHP. I only got the one result. I don't know what Facebook you're on there, John. Oh, hey, what is this? Wave PHP conference at Mission Bay, San Diego. All events. Oh, we're we're on a website somewhere. All events. 
has us now. That oh, might be through uh, Eventbrite. I wonder. Probably. Probably. So, wait you you went you went to Facebook and did a search for Wave PHP. Yeah, we probably shouldn't be doing this while we're talking. No, <laughs> this this is what the podcast is about. Yeah, I'm with well, Thomas. No, it, it, it is bad because Eric says his passwords out loud as he types them. It's just a, a weird. <laughs> so we probably shouldn't. I do not say password every time I type my password. So I'm I'm okay. Maybe I'm just looking at the two. Events. I see. Those are both our ours. Logo. Right. That. That's. Those are both ours. Right. There's. So there's two events set up right now. Why are there two events? Ten both. Yeah. Oh, but I think I still... one, of them, one of them is from. I think one of them is from. I, I don't know. I don't know why there's two events. I, I don't even know how to get to the Wave Conference page. I've tried a couple times. Click on. I go to Wave Conference. If I go to Wave Conference 2018, it's for Wave Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Just as good. So if you go to Facebook.com slash Wave Conference, that doesn't take you there? But why can't I search for Wave Conference? Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I don't understand what your problem is, John. I wasn't trying, you... wasn't trying in the URL. This is the, the newest section of our podcast called Things That Should Have Been Discussed Off-Air. <laughs> Things that should be cut out ASAP. Things I hope our editor can take care of. You remember that groovy new format we're talking about where we just talk about stuff just, we're actually just doing? Stream of consciousness. Yeah, this, is, just, this is the crap we're doing. Yeah, it's just sitting on your phone while you're in the bathroom. That's what we are now. Who does oh, that? That looks cool. Nobody does that. Look at, let's look at Facebook. All right. Stop. All right. What have you guys been doing on? this week? What else? Working on Wave PHP. That's pretty Come much on, it. Throwing you, I'm throwing a, you a bone out there. <laughs> so I go ahead, John. So for the second time, for one of our clients, uh, a, a little over a year ago, I submitted a pull request to get the code base to a point where it could be uh, PHP seven ready. Uh, <clears throat> they're using a, a very old data objects library and heavily reliant on the MySQL functions, which everyone knows been dead forever now. And I refactored everything to use PDO, which touched the library they were using very heavily. And of course, that's very a very scary change. And to this date, a year later, it's still not accepted. So I decided, let me rethink my approach here and decided to to refactor this time just using MySQLi instead made the PR much smaller, much more uh, fathomable to accept. So hopefully, and the, the nice part is all the code changes work in PHP 5.6. So I'm hoping that they'll, they'll accept it, get it, get it released, and then start putting up some PHP 7 servers. You know, I've, I've got a whole plan laid out, you know, test it in dev first, test it with their customer service people so that they're not impacting real users yet and then slowly impact users. So I'm really looking forward to that. Really want to want to keep them moving forward. I don't want to get stagnant. Uh, for those people that don't know, when I signed on with this client, what, what's it been now, five years, Eric? Over yeah, five and a half years, the, the main code base that they were using was on PHP 4. So that became a joke 
in our circle for a few years. Still is. <laughs> so, well, it took me a little bit. Got him off of four on the five two, five three at the time, and uh, now they're up to five six. So, just trying to keep that that ball moving forward. It's your new and nickname good. with me is John Pull Request Congdon. <laughs> you have more open pull requests than anyone I've ever heard of. <laughs> it is. It's a. Uh, it, it's funny at times and sad at other times. So uh, the client that we have, they have a, a big team, big. They have seven or eight developers now. Uh, I'm just one developer on the team. And I'm not sure exactly why. I don't know if I just open pull requests that are like not understood. So maybe I just write that bad of code. But they, uh, last I looked, I had... 41 of the 100 open pull requests. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> so our, our, our team on, an, on another client that I managed a little closer than, than that, that client, uh, they were giving me a hard time because I keep riding their ass because they have, like, uh, 12 PRs open on one of the clients. And I'm like, why They're are these PRs open? open that long. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I, I am definitely of the mindset that, you know, if you submit a PR, it's done. It's ready to be pulled in for that, that final final round of testing. And if that's not done within a week or two, that PR is now stale and should probably yeah. get, you know, deleted and reopened yeah. when, when it is ready. My, my latest I, stats I think... are 35 out of 81. <laughs> yeah, you're dominating the market. <laughs> I think it'd be nice if uh, if GitHub had a a pull request stale slash rot meter where it, or, it or even I I totally like that just some sort of aging on on the PR where it says you, you can easily see hey this PR has been open for you know, 120 you days you can you just look at really? the PR it yeah, shows it's open like up. A, it needs my like an oldest emoji one, my I, oldest one was opened November 10th 2016 so. Almost a year old at this point, only because the one from yeah. 2015 was just closed. Actually, I, I guess I guess I would like to see it in the list. Like when I pull up the list, is there a way to sort by age, sort by oldest? But I still can I can't see how old that is. Yeah, and oh, yeah, it's right open. It right yeah, open April 18th. Yeah. Ooh. And I think, so I think it, if you I, measured the divergence of the code that PR touches. You could use that to age it. So you could say, "Yeah, this this PR is in an active section of code, and that code got changed ten times this week. You need to merge it before it goes completely rotten and can't be merged at all." They have that. Yep. Yeah, Your branch but list shows it you does. That. Yeah, it does still tell you that it's able to merge it, or it tells you where their conflicts are, which is actually a nice new feature yeah. in GitHub because it didn't used to show you that. Yeah, maybe I should use GitHub more. <laughs> yeah, so it does show you all that. So I guess I guess all that is there. Yeah, I need to you, use. You don't that. have to worry about because so, you don't John, have hundred open PRs. So it actually shows you the year because I I only see like the, the <laughs> month and day because you know everything's within that current year. <laughs> it actually it's says sad. published published by John Condon Senior at the oldest one, and then it goes through the generations on <laughs> who who the maintainer okay. for that was. 
So, so for the record, our oldest open PR right now in this client is opened by John. The oldest two <laughs> PRs for this client is opened by John. So I think I need to keep those there. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just John. Maybe it's like, like when you try to smell if milk is bad and you can't tell, so you just decide not to use it. <laughs> no, I, I, I just happened to, uh, while we're talking. I was looking, and there are two PRs older than my oldest one with the client. So it's not just me. There you go. Glass <laughs> is half full. Yeah, they're both by Steve Wozniak. <laughs> <laughs> fun, fun. Uh, I do want to shift gears a little bit here. Um, Mexico had Mex- Mexico City had a pretty big earthquake. If you guys follow that, yeah. Uh, and I have heard from some listeners in that area, so just want to make sure. Hope everybody's okay down there. If you listen to the show, I hope you're still listening. I hope everything's all right. And uh, give us a tweet and let me know how things are going down there. It's sad. I think they're still they're still finding survivors today. Yeah. Oh. So that's that I mean, heart wrenching. I, I mean, we live in California, which which is famous for their earthquakes. And I've historically always told my friends back east, it's like earthquakes are so like we've had issues with hurricanes recently here in the U.S. And those are so much more intimidating to me because you see them for forming. You see them bearing bearing down on you, and they just come at you. And the, they're like, well, yeah, but you have time to run. And it's like, yeah, but... Most people don't run. Exactly. And earthquakes out here, for the most part, aren't that bad, and you can anticipate them. By the time you realize what's happening, and you, you, you process the fact that, no, there isn't a freight training running outside the front of your house, that you're in an earthquake... The earthquake is typically over, and but occasionally you have these bad ones like they just had down in Mexico City uh, years back during the World Series. We had a really bad one up in San Francisco, and it's pretty. It's a pretty bad one. My heart just wrenches wrenches for people because yes, earthquakes hit, hit you so quickly, and that the idea of a building falling down on you. It's just got to be terrifying. So I really hope everybody's okay and everybody's families are okay. Yeah, I was today I was listening to the radio and uh, there was a BBC interviewer talking to the mayor of Mexico City and and the interviewer asked asked, you know, in such a in such an earthquake prone area, why don't you have all of the buildings with a much more sophisticated earthquake protection in them? And the mayor of Mexico City just sort of went uh dude we don't, we don't have the most money you know like we have a wall to pay for for crying out loud yeah <laughs> i i want to ask you you guys a question moving on don't i mean don't want to be too much of a downer uh for the show uh so we had a longtime member of the stphp user group uh, show up today uh, you know john and i do uh, a weekly co-work uh, day at a local restaurant where anybody's welcome to come join us and, and work for the day um, typically a lot of the, the diego dev people take it as an opportunity to get together and co-work together which was fun 
which is fun. Um, we had a very big turnout of Diego Dev people today, but we had a, a member from the San Diego PHP user group who showed up who we hadn't seen in a long time. Um, Ooh, a few years. And, uh, Easily. Yeah. And, and the last time we, we'd seen him, he was very energetic. Uh, he was in school. He was, you know, kind of still trying to figure out what he wanted to do for his for his life and was, you know, looking at coding and development and, and systems administration. And, uh, you know, he was very enthusiastic. And uh, Wait, so it turns out... Of, I just, before you continue on, and he was one of the few people early on in, in our group, you know, we relied on donations to help you know, fun food or drinks or even meetup.com, you know, Diego Dev wasn't around to pay for some of that stuff. So we had users that contributed some money. We did get a little bit of support from some job listings and things like that, but he was one of the first people to actually step up and, and donate money to the group, which I don't know if he knows that we know, but <laughs> obviously we do. It meant a lot to us back then. Yeah. So it turns out uh, he's done with school. He's actually gotten into the industry. He's a coder. He's a developer. He does systems administration. Um, and I, I kind of got the impression that he, you know, the the company he's working for was kind of like his first real uh, development job, uh, systems admin job that he he had. Um, and I had a real interesting conversation with him because he. He was struggling with really identifying his six. He was really struggling identifying himself as part of his company. So he he was um, he had a hard time differentiating, like like saying, okay, how how do I how do I you know show people my accomplishments without you know do. Like he, he felt like he had this burden to apologize for like, you know, mistakes that he felt his company might have made, while trying to explain what he does. And I was trying to have the conversation with him of, listen, you know, you Still are not your company. Equifax. <laughs> <laughs> Names are being withheld. No, no, he doesn't work for Equifax. But that's that. That's a perfect example, right? Um, I mean, so let, let's abstract that away a little bit. Let's say you, you are a developer that worked for Equifax. I mean, I worked for Sony as a system admin uh, during some, the time of some of their bigger uh, public hacks. Um, so, you know, I, I felt like I was talking a little bit from experience on on you know the way you're you're differentiating yourself from the organization you're working for and in you know fumbles or missteps that that organization might have made we've all worked for companies that we're not necessarily completely proud of everything that company has done or and we never want exclusively to i've done that <clears throat> no not not exclusively you haven't well before my grandparents died it was exclusively because I was yeah. told in no uncertain terms by my parents, do not tell grandma what you do for a living. Okay, well, well, you work in a more controversial field, but you, but the the organization you work for is very reputable, right? I mean, they're they're like higher tier in yeah, the this one is adult industry, yeah. right? But you have worked for shadier people. 
Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So where right. where Eric's where Eric's getting with this though is he's he's thinking in the future what happens when I go to interview, and I'm, he's identifying so much with the company he's with that he's afraid that you know why would they ever hire me because this company blah blah blah. I work for Equifax. I I'm applying for another job. Equifax was just hacked. Why would they ever hire me? Type of thing. And it's like Eric did an awesome job talking to him and trying to, you know, bring him back off the ledge and say, "Listen, you are not that company. <laughs> you, all you're you're advocating for yourself. You're going to interview. It you're you're going to show what you can do. You need to make sure you have code up on GitHub. You, you know, the the things that we we know because we've been in the industry. When you go to hire somebody, you look at their GitHub page first to find out what kind of coder they are. Oh shit! I hope that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he did he did an awesome job talking to this guy. I think so. So, yeah, it, so Eric that, started that, telling a story about how awesome a job he did. <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, just want to be clear. The moral of the story is, boy, I'm great. Listen to what I did today. <laughs> where, where I was leading was what sort of advice would you give a person like this? <laughs> Talk to Eric. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of advice, boy? Um, no, I, I, I've actually had to go through a lot of this kind of conversation with my my wife lately because she started working after raising children for. 10 or 12 years now without having a job and she's coming into all sorts of problems with HR and you know what does she say about herself how does she talk about herself highly without sounding like she's bragging and how do you explain the work that you did as a volunteer for schools as if it were real work that really validated your experience and they're the same sort of tricks and tips which is that mm -hmm. understand that you're talking to people and that you're talking about yourself and your experience, not the company that you used to work for. That's mm -hmm. just where you used to work. Um, you know, if you're the CTO of Equifax, yeah, you're kind of burned now, right? But if you're a junior system, but you admin, sold a lot of stock, so you're probably set. Yeah, you're good. Because you sold those <laughs> stock early, because you had a heads up on that. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. But uh, yeah, it's just that uh, people talk to people. The, the corporations are only important when you look at the, the business card. In the end, you're still dealing with people and always treat it that way. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like that. I like what you said. You're promoting yourself. Talk about yourself. Talk about your accomplishments. Advocate for yourself. And that's all that really matters. Yeah. And, and when you mm -hmm. do a performance review, write down what was in the performance review because that's the kind of stuff that belongs in a resume. If it's good, yeah. if it's a good report back, that's the kind of thing that someone who's going to be hiring you again is going to want to see as well. Oh, I hope I never have to write a resume again. <laughs> I don't, I think you're set. I mean, it ter terrifies me. The thought of having to, the, the thought. The, so it, it goes both ways. The thought of, of having to go out and try to find another job terrifies me. I mean, it's like, man, I don't even know how I would do that now. And then, at the same time, as weird as it sounds, I, I had this happen to me uh, a while back. 
I forget exactly all the circumstances, but things were not going great uh, with one of our clients. And I, I, I had that like a uh, drowning sensation. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, if I didn't own the fucking company, I would just walk away right now. This is an opportunity where I would just walk away. It's, it's like owning a company is I, I've discovered there's this weird sensation of, well, shit, I can't just go find another job now. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't stop. I can't stop this train. I'm on it. Yeah. It's going down this tunnel, whether I wanted to or not. So it was. It's been a, kind of a weird blessing and curse sort of scenario. True. So yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, the, the only other thing, and it, it, it kind of occurred to me when I was talking to this member, was that. As developers, we, we always talk about how important um, GitHub profiles are. And a lot of developers don't necessarily work on public repos. And so the thing I told him is, you know, even if it's just doing a couple of demo apps and, and making it clear to the people looking at it, hey, this is a demo app so that you understand my philosophies, you understand the design patterns I use and how I how we attack problems, you know, doing a blog uh, application or doing a CMS or a social networking application and just getting those repos out there. They don't, I mean, ideally they need to be functional, but they don't need to be completely polished, but something that gives some, some, I mean, a potential employer something to look at where they can say, Oh, okay, I see what you did here. And like I said, even if you make it clear, Hey, this is not meant for public use. This is just me as you're part of my resume uh you should if you want to be a developer you really need to get some some of your code public if you can't make anything you currently work on public then mock up some apps and get them public i don't well i think it's first if you can't put your actual code public try to contribute to open source first if I you can do that that, yes. that one, you're contributing to the community, making the community stronger, and you're showing off your skills. Do that first. And if you really just, I mean, if you have time to write a demo app, you should have time to open do open source. But if you really can't find something to contribute to, then do a demo app. Especially if you're the type that really wants to practice. If you're learning a new design pattern, you want to practice what you're, what you're reading about, put it into some code mm -hmm. and put it up on GitHub. Especially since public repos are free, you just yeah. get something out there. Unless you're bad at coding, to <laughs> you also have to do that level of self-evaluation. Where should this should this be found by people? Does it make me look good or bad? So you say I should take down my repos? Is that what you're telling me, Thomas? No, I'm just saying I've realized that after editing the podcast for uh, a couple of months. Is it, oh yeah, sometimes I uh, say stuff that I need to cut from the podcast. Do you, no, do you guys use <laughs> you guys use uh, Laravel Valet? No, I do. I, I, I do, use, I it, use it almost exclusively now. And, and you use the that dev extension on it? I do. Yeah, yeah. You I know it's going to be a problem, right? I know it's crazy. So, so it turns out Google actually owns the .dev extension. And uh, and .dev, top-level domain. TLD, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah, and all so, the alternatives. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people use .dev 
for the local development environment, and Ballet uses it by default. Now, you can change that. and It was fun there for a while. I actually had the .dev domain associated to my homestead, and for my Ballet, I changed it to .ddev for Diego Dev. I thought that was cool. I'm like, I should just keep that, ddev. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I might need to do that anyways because it sounds like Google is going to start to put some DNS in place for the .dev domains now. It's not so much the DNS. It's more about what they're changing within Chrome. They're enabling HSTS oh, on it. Right. So HSTS, I don't fully understand it completely, but I think in the in a like broad spectrum, it's all it does is say, if you go to this domain, you have to go through HTTPS. No questions asked. Yeah. So that means... And, I mean, and, well, on top of that, excuse me, on top of that, you can't use... You can't just do the default, ignore this cert. You know, I understand go anyway. It says you have to have a real cert here to proceed. I don't think that's true. No, from, he's right. From my understanding, yeah, from my understanding, that's the, the issue at hand. Because I, I, use, I use dev domains all the time on HTTPS, and I just click the advanced, and I agree. You know, just right. the two clicks, get me through this. But if it's an HSTS, I don't think that it works. Now, see, my question is, why? Because Google has well, not well, responded to this yet, and <clears throat> there isn't really an answer as to why all .dev domains must be... Because they own the TLD. So that, that well, that's what I'm, that's what I was about to say. That with with that mindset, that means they must not be planning on releasing that domain to anybody but Google products. Properties. They might have another idea. I there's a lot there's a lot of shit going on on the web right now. I mean, weird stuff. So uh, along with this, you know, Google. Chrome is also incrementally distrusting semantic security certificates because they found that semantic wasn't being smart about their issuing of security certs. Um, and then the W3C, which is the sort of governing body, has passed a, a DRM measure to make a DRM standard in these web protocols that Basically, everyone who's a member of the W3C said no, no, no. They ignored it and did a closed-door session among the corporations that contribute to the W3C and overruled the uh, users. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the EFF dropped out of the W3C. If you don't know what the EFF, it's the Electronic Frontier Foundation. They believe in the free and open web just as a fundamental concept. So... There's a lot going on on the internet right now where people are talking about, what do we do? People are taking over that shouldn't be taking over. Do we fork the internet somehow? Do we create a an internet that's run by a different governing organization that no one can just decide, yeah, we're going to have restrictive content that customers aren't allowed to use? Um, you know, One of the big complaints about the DRM stuff was that it made it illegal to check for security vulnerabilities in this new code. So the EFF was just asking, hey, you know, we understand that there are compromises that need to be made, but making it, you know, continuing to make it illegal 
to even look into the code that does these kinds of hardware encodings, that's that's not right for the customer. You can't put code on a customer's machine that they can't look at. And mm -hmm. the W3C disagreed, which is a pretty damning statement for an open standards group. Because mm -hmm. it's the it's the least open of anything. <clears throat> um, and if you didn't know, security researchers who do work on encryption protocols, uh, if the encryption protocol is owned by a corporation, they are breaking the law. That is a federal crime. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of prosecution, but it's been selective. Um, if you look at somebody like uh, Aaron Schwartz. Yeah, so uh, Aaron Schwartz, who was, was put in jail at the age of 26 because he found a vulnerability in a university documentation library where if you just left out the destination URL, you were given an index of all of the documents. Uh, FBI decided to go after him, put him in jail, and he ended up killing himself in jail. And was that, he was... Wait, wait, was that the Reddit guy? Uh, was, that wasn't the Reddit guy, because there was more involved than just that, actually. There's a great documentary on that. There is, yeah, there is a great documentary on that, but it, it really is an example of how selectively these laws are applied and how he was being made an example of by the judicial system. Um, he was one of the early founders. He was one of the early builders of Reddit. Um, really bright kid. Oh, so I, I, I don't want to challenge you too much on this, and we, we don't need to go too far down this dark path. But I, I, but I am kind of, you know, I, I do get sensitive about, about these topics. So first thing, the prosecution of him was com completely wrong. Okay, uh, but I don't necessarily. And what he was doing wasn't completely right. Uh, so he skirted this very weird kind of line where he felt that these documentations should be free. Um, so he had set up these kind of systems that were pulling all the documents down and saving them to a hard drive, but he wasn't authorized to do that. Uh, so, you know, my point being, he wasn't completely right with what he's doing. I, fundamentally, I believed in what he, what he was doing. Um, I don't think anybody was necessarily trying to make an example of, of him, although they did go above and beyond kind of doing surveillance and trying to catch him in the act, then I think they would have, had he not been somebody quote-unquote famous. Uh, I, I think that was kind of his Achilles heel, that he, he was a notable character uh, in in the industry. And so they had set up surveillance cameras to, to try to catch him uh, changing out these hard drives and all this other crap, which was it was bullshit. They put way too much effort into catching this very minor thing that was what he was doing really wrong? I mean, we never got an opportunity to, to debate it in court because it never got to court. The, the guy had mental issues. Uh, unfortunately, like you said, he did take his life. Should he have been in jail? Probably not. Um, but I don't. I don't think it was like a witch hunt on him either. I don't. We shouldn't position the story like that. Uh, it, it, they it, they never even had that really had that opportunity. It's a tragic story. 
by far. Yeah. Uh, and I think it really needs to kind of talk talk towards because he felt again. I, I forget the details of the of what he was doing, but like the uh, documents. This was, was MIT to... MIT research that was government funded that they were selling. Uh, but but, to, but it was also which... it was also free documentation too. It, it was just it was only free. Like a, a, a normal person can only get like a free documentation per download or, or some weird, there were some weird restrictions on it. And his thinking was, no, this is free information. It needs to be free. Right. And if you, if you, know, you rate limit of, something that's free, then it's not really free, is it? Right. So, so yeah, yeah I mean, what, I'm, great, what I'm saying great is that, story. Didn't mean to sidetrack that, that. I just get sensitive on, on no, things no. like that. That's You can't sidetrack a sidetrack. That's just fair game. <laughs> um, no, I just I, I think that the internet is turning turning into these sort of dark corners right now, um, and that's not even including net neutrality, Ajit Pai, and the lawsuit that's currently being filed against the FCC for ignoring the input of the American public. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you get into Russia buying ads on Facebook that are targeted towards people. Then you get into all sorts of false Twitter accounts that are leading, you know, leading national discussions that turn out to be Russian propagandists. It, things are dark. So who knows what direction this is going to go. This is going to take the web and maybe moving whole top-level domains to mandatory secure are a good thing. Um, you know, one of the articles I have is about encrypted web connections that I, I take for granted that my web connection, when it's secure between me and a server, that it's actually secure. Um, but there was a recent study that found that between 4 and 10% of all encrypted web traffic is using a man-in-the-middle certificate, that it's not actually using the certificate you know, given by the website. And to me, that's crazy. One in 10 web requests. Scary. Yeah. I I saw you post that, and I'm just flabbergasted by that statistic. Yeah, and this is this isn't just circumventing cryptography. This is intentionally weakening cryptography, and not and nobody noticing. But so, but so I, 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 I a lot of when I saw this. Sorry, John, didn't mean to interrupt you. But when when I saw this, I wonder if it was also taking into account um, like SSL acceleration or these. Uh, these smart routers that offload the HTTPS onto the smart router and then maybe does unencrypted or does another encryption back to the servers, which is kind of common in, in corporate environments. See, but you, yeah, that's, that's I, fucking I, weird to me, though. Like, even in a corporate environment, I find that fucking weird. That's that's very common practice, though. And so that, that was my question is I'm wondering if it's taking those into account that number doesn't seem that high because you, when you have these corporations, it is uh, taking that, that, that into these... account explicitly. Okay, so those numbers really aren't that bad, I, I don't think, because again, when you're when you're sending when you're even Facebook, I would be surprised that if I sent an HTTPS request to Facebook, if when it hits Facebook's data center, if that if that request stays encrypted. As it's bouncing around servers, I'm almost guaranteeing no, no, that's, you. This is on the client side. This is the clients are being inter interrupted by their own corporation where they work. 
This isn't Facebook. Well, the the big one I see on this list is Avast, which is antivirus software. So it's it's it basically putting itself in the middle, trying to protect you. But that is but not how meantime... you protect somebody when it comes to cryptography. The one <laughs> I, thing everyone should we, know. I agree. Do not roll your own cryptography and do not have a single source of failure for your cryptography. And if if it looks like, what, 25% of this 10% of encrypted traffic that's being man-in-the-middled, if that gets violated, 2% of all traffic just becomes open traffic. I, it's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that a vast AGAV can just suddenly have a, a, some fatal flaw in it, but that only did happen three times today with Chrome plugins that are installed by millions. And CC Cleaner, but, which was infected for uh, several months and was distributing malware to millions of computers. So it's great that CC Cleaner, which literally does this task, got infected because it sets out the example of, yeah, you can't trust. You, you have to give it to the origin and the destination only. If there's a man in the middle, it is fundamentally unsafe. I agree. The, the 4 to 10% is higher than I would have thought. Like I, I, when I saw that, I was like, "Oh my god, that's scary!" But when you start taking into account antivirus, which they are trying to help, they shouldn't be. They should be out of it at that point. Yeah, keep your grubby mitts off my data. <laughs> yeah, scary. This doesn't surprise me. And, and I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying to make sure I, I clearly understand it. Is we're, we're not saying, or are you saying? So when when you say hey when I when I send a encrypted HTTPS request somewhere it shouldn't be getting decrypted and then sent you know in plain text it's not getting I mean, sent in plain text like a vast is probably I mean you don't know that's the problem with the man in the middle you don't know what's happening what's for antivirus software my assumption is you're connecting to to a vast the the connection secure there they're connecting to Facebook securely. So it's secure all the way except for that millisecond is right. within a vast where they're looking at your content and right. you're assuming that it's only looking at it to tell you if there's a virus or not. Right. 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 So, it, so that, that's, that's a man right. in the middle attack. That, that, that's actually, that's actually, yeah. No, I get it. But that's, again, actually more common than I think you guys would realize. And, and it's not, Yes, yes, it, it feels weird. Yes, we don't necessarily have to agree with it, but it's not like there's now sitting your traffic unencrypted anywhere. And no, my, I, I agree. My, it's just going into a black box, and we don't know what that black box does. But but that happens. That happens anyways, though, Thomas. I mean, that was my point. <laughs> that was my point with my Facebook analogy. Right? Is you know your request is sent to Facebook. It, it's encrypted. But once it hits Facebook's data center, they unencrypt that for for speed, for all sorts of you know, reasons. Of course, when it's in their when it's in their data center, it's bouncing around servers unencrypted. But, but the the difference in that case is, I'm talking to Facebook. I understand. Yeah, no, that. I, I I get what you're saying there. Yeah, I don't want something between me and Facebook decrypting it. What happens within Facebook is different. Mm -hmm. So. Hey, I figured out a way we can uh, we can raise money for Wave PHP. <laughs> is that no, too sorry. is that too hard of a right turn? 
Well, no, my ears are perked up. I want to hear this. <laughs> you can run a JavaScript-based cryptocurrency miner on the Wave PHP website. We do that already. Oh, good. It's nice. Who doesn't? Duh. Yeah, boy, it's like everyone now. It's time for cryptocurrency talk. I missed you last week, John, because because there was some good crypto news. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard about it, but the Pirate Bay was running an embedded cryptocurrency miner, JavaScript-based cryptocurrency miner, uh, for a little while, and people just started to lose their minds. Uh huh. I did hear about that. Yeah. And then the Pirate Bay said, uh, "Hey, we're the Pirate Bay, you idiots." And everyone, <laughs> everyone went, uh, "Oh yeah, I guess that does make sense." <laughs> so, we're hoping you steal content. The least you could do is let us make <laughs> yeah. more money off of it. <laughs> yeah, you jerks don't click the ads, so we're doing something. So ex- explain what happened and, and you know what they got out of it. So and... if you're if you're like me, if you're a headline surfer then you've got the completely wrong idea of what is happening here. Uh, so the Pirate Bay ran a test of a JavaScript library that was created by a group called CoinHive, coin-hive.com. This is a 100% legitimate uh, you know, customer-facing coin mining system. They do not intend to have their code injected maliciously they don't want people to be mining and not know it they don't want cpus peaked at 100 percent. they just want to help people make money off of their websites and they want to make some cash on the side too Uh, the thing that makes this possible is that they are mining a new type of coin Uh, this coin only has a doubled efficiency on a gpu so a CPU mining is perfectly viable on this coin. Uh, if you go to their website, coin-hive.com, you can test it out. It'll tell me, it'll tell you how many hashes per second you're getting on your machine. They'll tell you everything that you want to know about their payout system, uh, why they're using the Monero coin, uh, how do they plan on implementing this for customers, and how they tested it on their own website before they ever went public with it and we're able to make a pretty good amount of money with it without interfering with customers' enjoyment of the website. They even measured metrics like uh, cannibalism of memberships and ad click rates. So thorough work done. And I'm a proponent, kinda, but it does bring us into a terrifying new age of monetizing idle devices. What do you think? Fascinating. <laughs> so, so has your company already implemented this? I can neither confirm it or deny this. So the whole point is it's running in the background. Nobody notices. <clears throat> the, the point is that you don't notice, but not that you're unaware. Uh, if it slows down the website, no one's going to be happy. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it pegs your CPU at 100%, no one's going to be happy which is how this was discovered, is that the configuration on the JavaScript client was wrong on the, the Pirate Bay, and it was pegging people's CPUs. But that was not intended. It was supposed to just casually scrape a little. And so they, the Pirate Bay was trying to make as much money as they could, so they probably No, they it said it was. It, they said it was accidental. 
Of course, he said um, it was accidental. It could be. It but could they, be any they, number. they were trying to game it. They were, they were trying to get more money out of it. Right, but they're pirates. They, if they were trying to game it, they'd say we were trying to game it, idiots. They don't. They, they do not care about public perception in the slightest bit. I'm actually surprised they're still around. But I have seen the conversation move from "Is this morally right or wrong?" to what if your next virtual assistant was free because when you weren't using it, it was mining coins. It was using exactly. electricity yeah. to mine coins. And then it sort of goes further than that real quickly because anything with a functioning CPU can just spend its idle time mining sure. coins. Have you, heard, have you heard of the Internet of Things? You know, what, what, if it, what if your light bulb was coining for mining for coins when it was turned on? And sure. So that's the, that's the question. <laughs> Is where does this like set office to twenty five percent? Well, the question the question is, you know, it, are your CPUs are, are are your cycles your cycles right? I, let, let, let's let's talk through it. You know, beyond just mining and Bitcoin, you know, does a company does um, uh, Cisco have the right? to leverage their devices that they sell you for something else that they want to do with you know what they decide are idle cycles on your your Cisco device you know now, what i mean in the last 10 years i've noticed a trend of people paying attention to kilowatt hour usage and with mining this has become even more critical to the process of mining coins yeah, but My people question... only pay attention to that when they're buying a refrigerator, AC unit. They don't. If I were buying a light bulb, I'm not paying attention to that. Right, but if you were buying a light bulb and the review for the light bulb says for some reason this light bulb uses a thousand kilowatt hours per day, then there would be an investigation. There would be. I mean, these CPU cycles are not transparent. If you look for them. But but that's They'll my point. Let's let, let's let's say that happens. Let's go back to the Cisco, and, and it turns out all Cisco routers are are scraping, uh, are, are are being leveraged for something, for Cisco bitcoins, right? And they, and they're mining. I mean, let's keep it mining because that seems to be where everybody's head is. Are, are are mining for Cisco bitcoins? So that 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 becomes the question. Well, are they? I mean, are they held accountable for anything? Can we sue them for? How much of my electricity they used for their game? I, I mean, this this is this is like the weird, unexplored. There are no laws on this stuff. This is the wild, wild web. I'll you know, tell you like, what. what I'll what tell are you what about? laws this reminds me of. What this this sudden new territory reminds me of organic food, and the twenty year process of defining the term organic. Uh, you know, right now when you buy a light bulb, you will see UL certification on it. You will see six or seven different certifications on it. Is there going to be a does not crypto mine certification for electronic yeah. devices? If it has a CPU in it, it has to be able to, it has to be licensed and it has to have the what, zero, one, two, or three. And if it's three, then it's going to cost you this many watt hours a year because it's doing crypto mining, but it's going to be this much cheaper. And with people starting to install their own solar panels and sell their energy back to the energy companies, maybe that's what you do want. Maybe you do want to buy devices 
that are going to be cheaper because they're mining and you're producing the energy through your solar energy and you've got a work sheet. Or, or, like, or depending or depending or depending on what they're doing. I mean, if you I mean this is not new. There was a time where you could download a little application on your PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 3 and when you weren't using it, you could help look for UFOs. Wait, you know, PlayStation is yeah. up to 4? Yes, it is. Actually Wow. Or pro now, yeah. What? So I mean, I mean, this whole idea of shared resources to achieve a bigger goal is, is something we've been in the industry working on for years. So yeah, I think you're right, though, Thomas. I mean, I can I can see a time where that needs to be disclosed. Where if I'm buying a smart light bulb, you know, if I will pay a cheaper price if you disclose the fact that you're leveraging that CPU to, you know, do something else when I'm not le- when I'm not using it. Uh, you know that that could be a very valid approach of you know some sort of certification of when you buy this device, you you own the device. Or no, they're they're still leveraging some of the some of the cycles in the device for something else. You might not know what that is, or you will know what it is. Here's what it is. It's this, that, and the other thing. I I, I think this is going to, as the internet of things grow, as we continue to have this dispersed uh, com- compute power out there, as small as it may be, you're going to see companies that say, hey, you know, we have 4 million light bulbs out there right now. All we need is a slice of that, of that compute power from the light bulbs and we can do, you know, fantastic things. I, I, I see that. But the, being very the problem is the end user is not going to notice it. They're not going to, even if there's these certifications, most people do not look at those. The only exactly. way that you, the only way that the end user notices is that people like us campaign either for or against it, or we campaign. Well, it, it's, proper it's not even a matter of, of noticing. It's not a matter of, of end users noticing. It, it could be a, an accepted way of life, but for us that do understand it, we want that documentation there. So whether my mom or my sister ever looks at, you know, the next time they go buy a microwave, whether that microwave is mapping their house based on the certification <laughs> Is irregardless. <laughs> the fact that we do the legwork and we help ago. define this. That was an, that <laughs> was an awesome reference. Laws. <laughs> we help define those laws that say, hey, we know this is happening. This is impactful. We need to make sure it's just like any other warning label that, that's put out there may cause cancer. Don't you know, don't take these pills with alcohol. You know, who cares? I take pills with uh, scotch <laughs> all the time. It makes it taste better. But the fact that it's there means Help somebody the has done down. the work. <laughs> it means somebody has done the work and said, hey, this is something that needs to be known. It, it needs to be documented, and people need to have access to this and visibility to it. I, I think you're on to something, well, Thomas. And this, this ties into... You need uh, to start a campaign. Go fund me. Start a GoFundMe page. This ties into what we were talking about with Chrome earlier with with what is the obligation of Chrome to notify the user that this is occurring. You know, they're doing all this integration, this sideways integration for their domains and for semantic certificates and stuff like that. But right where I see the secure symbol and the, the green lock, I want to see a symbol that represents if this page is trying to monetize my CPU. I, I have a lot of content that I use. But how, but on... how do they know that? 
based on, I mean, I can write a horrible JavaScript right now that pegs your your CPU to 100% and not be monetizing it. I think the key is is that kind of regulation, is that if you put that regulation in place and then you have something like Chrome or like, like the browsers managing that regulation, notifying the end user, you know, right now, how do you how do you know that your secure lock really is secure? Well, we just said that 10% of the time it isn't, but the other 90% of the time, it does actually represent correct security. And I want to see the same thing for cryptocurrency mining, is that if somebody's trying, because this group, CoinHive, is trying to do it legitimately. They're not trying to hide their intentions in the slightest bit, and they don't want to. And because they're coming out so open and honest about what it is that they're doing, I think Chrome, I think Google should support them and say, absolutely, this is a valid monetization method, and we will help you integrate into a browser so that customers can see their current hash rates if they're on a site that they want to support without looking at ads. Because that is the alternative. Do you want to look at ads? I have an ad blocker specifically because I don't want to look at ads, and I've had one for 15 years. But if someone says, I'm going to use your extra CPU cycles, and I'm going to keep it low and not bother you with it at all, I am totally fine with that. If Reddit wants to kill all the ads on Reddit and replace it with a 10% of my CPU cycles, sure, you can have. But that's that money. the problem. They they wouldn't. They would keep the ads and then still do your 10%, and you would not have any. But sense. they're not keeping the ads. Oh because my god! Ad blockers are so predominant. But but more importantly, I mean, again, John is having that, a revelation. The reason Coin that hey, Coinhive has it their own. Um, I can't even think of the word now. Extension? No. Prostitutes. When you, when you get the I'm not a robot. Dildo? Captcha. They have, oh, their own captcha? Captcha. Yeah. they have their own captcha that does mining for them for a few seconds to say, okay, you're a real person. Yeah. No, they're, they're straight up. This coin, the Monero coin, and this company are going to be a big fucking deal. These guys... For all the furor against what they're doing this week, they are going to be big money next year. But again, higher level, like we we were trying to take this beyond just your Bitcoin mining scenario and and implementing the regulations. I mean, to, to that kind of point is this also helps leverage action against a company that tries to sidestep these regulations or try to tries to manipulate the system and take advantage of a customer without you know being meeting the regulation of saying hey you were supposed to let the customer know that you're using some of your cpu for something else uh i i really think you're onto something uh, it's, a can of, it's a can of worms but the thing about a can of worms is you can do a lot with it this is like not fish. necessarily like yes. fish. or eat or eat gawk. I prefer my gawk fresh. Okay. I, I just think so this is something that I think the nerds we, we, the nerds need to pay attention we, we've to. We started a movement, Thomas, right here on PHP Ugly. Okay, we need to we need to wrap up the show. I mean, we'll we, give we, you that we, idea. Yeah. <laughs> But we're going to wrap it up on a positive note. I think we did a little doom and gloom. I think your I think your Bitcoin mining DRM crap was all uh, doom and gloomish. Uh, no, more wait, more no, my doom show, and gloom was early. More and more of the show is becoming doom and gloom. I'm not appreciating it. Uh, you're desensitizing me. You're desensitizing me to the doom and gloom. Yeah. But on a more positive note, 
episode two of the PHP podcast has been released with John and I. The PHP Arc podcast. podcast. It's no, called it's PHP podcast. podcast. The official podcast of PHP Architect. Yeah, that is correct. Um, and, and it's it it uh, marks the end of our little experiment of uh, scripting out the entire show. We we got enough feedback back where people don't think they like that, but then again, they haven't really heard us not scripted out. So we, <laughs> they may very quickly ask us to go back to it. I don't know. So, so for for my my whole thing with, with the with the PHP podcast was I thought it was an advertisement for the magazine. And it was giving people a quick insight into what the articles were, what they were about. So to me, the the scripting was kind of like a commercial. It was supposed to be like, just bam, bam, get through it. But there was a lot of feedback of, no, we don't like that. We want we want more. Because yeah, this honesty, one was more. an hour long. Well, that that's not our yeah. fault. So again, which is way too nice long part. for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So John and I's part <laughs> always hovers around five to I think uh, seven minutes. You know, we we are bang with the exception of the interview. We typically interview uh, one of the people, but as we're doing the reviews of the article, it's very bang 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 bang, and we get through the whole magazine in like you know five to six seven minutes. And I, I agree with John. I mean, it was it was kind of like a. You know, a teaser to a, a trailer to a movie. It's just you know giving you a little bit more insight where you're like, "Hey, I I want to find out more about that." Um, but yeah, it, so this, it seems like people this are, next one for next like, month will be interesting. Let's find out what it's like. Yeah, people people are like, "No, we don't we don't care for that much." So we don't now we don't have a new format yet. We don't know what it's going to be, but it's I going to be guess. something different. <laughs> I still won't be involved, so if that's a concern with anyone out there, let's keep passing that on. I don't have the time Eric has to do three podcasts, a regular and annual community event, meetups, run his own company, and drink scotch. We need an overwhelming response, like, hey, we want Thomas on the podcast. Oh my god. If you want him on there, reach out. If you want me on PHP Arc podcast, hashtag Tom on Arc. No, no, hashtag Doom and Gloom. Just hashtag Doom. Ha- no, because that, that's already getting hashtagged. Tweet to PHP Arc Doom and Gloom. Just hashtag yes. Doom and Gloom and see tweet. what they say. She's like, why the hell are we getting all these damn tweets? <laughs> see if we can get the podcast taken away from Eric and John. <laughs> all right guys I, I think i think that's a great way to to wrap up the episode um, i'm tom Rideout. i'm john Conkin. Johnson. Keep, it keep, ugly. It ugly. keep it ugly thanks for listening to this episode of php ugly and thanks to our sponsor the diego dev group If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Show notes can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or directly off the PHP Ugly RSS feed. A rating of five stars on iTunes is appreciated. 
Submit articles to phpugly at reddit.com slash r slash phpugly. Until next week, keep it ugly.